Welcome to Cross Politic Midweek Fix on the Fight Lab Feast Network. It's good to be with you guys. Pastor Toby, Chuck Knox, I'm the Water Boy. We have on the line Pastor, the good doctor, George. Grant. One of the best hidden secrets inside of Christendom. And if, and if you guys, I'm it. If you I'm guys don't it. know, you're, you're saying it. If you guys don't know, he's going to be speaking at what, Toby? The Fight Life Feast Conference, October 1st to the 3rd in Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville's open, and so we're going to be there. Yes. Uh, we want you to sign up there. This is Rowdy Christian Media meets the conference world, which is not for the faint of heart. Not at all. We're going to kick the whole thing off with beer and psalm singing on the first night, oh. followed by a slate. And there'll be punch for kids and refreshment stuff. No, just beer. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone. <laughs> Everyone. And there'll be, there'll be punch and Sprite for our Baptist no, brothers, just too. just beer. <laughs> Everyone. And we're going to have a slate of speakers committed to driving the nails of the gospel into everyday life, Ooh. including Douglas Wilson, Rod Martin, Glenn Sunshine, and the Reverend Dr. George Grant. Yes. And the conference will conclude with a massive Fight, Laugh, Feast network mashup. I like that. I like how you put that mashup yeah. in there. That was good. With representatives from all your favorite shows on the network, all on one show. How that goes, we have no idea. It's, it's going to be insane. But we're going to do it anyway. But we're going to fight, laugh, and we're going to feast, and then we're going to close the whole thing off with a massive feast together. Uh, kick off our Sabbath. Food, food trucks are going to pull food up. Food trucks pulling yep. in. Yep. So come join us October 1st to the 3rd in Nashville, Tennessee, and go to fightlaughfeast.com and register today. And if you're a member, why wouldn't you be a member? Yep. You can get $100 off your registration. And, and just so there's also family discount packages yeah. and church group uh, yeah. discount packages. Because we love the kids. Yeah, that's right. Hey, Dr. Grant, Pastors Parish Presbyterian Church, is director of King's Meadow Study Center, founder of Franklin Classical School, New College Franklin, coordinator of the Chalmers Fund, and has written a, a gazillion oh books. <laughs> He, uh, by the way, our, our deacons, uh, I serve on the deacon board, yeah. and we just ordered uh, your book, uh, George, on ministering to the poor and, and how to... Oh, wonderful. Yeah, we just ordered that. We're going to be reading that as a deacon board starting in July for, for a quarter. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Dr. That's Grant awesome. makes his home in historic uh, Franklin, Tennessee. He is the author of... Oh, I already read that part. Together, they have three grown children. He's still the author of a gazillion books. They have three grown children and six grandchildren. Is that accurate? That is accurate. And they all baptize. They all baptize. We're praying for more. Yeah. Oh, praise Amen. the Lord. Amen. <laughs> hey, uh, George, thanks so much for joining us on Cross Politic yet again. Absolutely. My joy. It's always a lot of fun. And uh, it's always just a little unpredictable. <laughs> really? <laughs> I never noticed that. It's, it's like it's like he's done this before or something. I've done this a time or two. And and yeah. yet and yet you've come back again. Yeah. So he right. likes unpredictable. Yep. Yeah, he's into <laughs> yeah. it. So um Doctor I, I know some family guests from Nashville probably will not accept another invitation. Oh! No. <laughs> we, we don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, I, I, that's all theoretical. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. So, um, um, obviously, you've been, uh, I think, probably following the news like the rest of us, and, um, and the thing we need you to help us understand is, is it correct... Uh, that the looting of targets and the burning down of police stations is exactly like the Boston Tea Party. Just lead that question. Just lead it. I like what you did, Dan. Yeah, that's, uh, that is one of the most absurd 
absurd and, and just ridiculous statements <laughs> in a plethora of ridiculous statements <laughs> that one tops the list. Oh. It demonstrates a lack of historicity. It demonstrates a lack of context. And it demonstrates why we need to make sure that our kids are properly educated outside of government schools. Yeah. Mm. The truth is that uh, there, there is no comparison whatsoever. First of all, uh, in 1773, there was no mob. There was a direct action aimed at an attempt to break a free market by forcibly restraining the market uh, and giving a monopoly to a government-subsidized entity, the British East India Company. So one of the things that the patriots were attempting to do was to break the monopoly. Mm. And because it was a government monopoly, it was fully subsidized. Therefore, uh, they were able to undercut the prices of the free market. Mm -hmm. uh, what happened, bottom line, is that uh, beginning in 1770, uh, taxes were put in a whole host of new items. This is after the Townshend Acts of 1767 and after uh, the Stamp Act uh, had been repealed. Uh, just simply because they were not enforceable. So the British Parliament, without any representation whatsoever for the colonies, imposed tax on tea. Mm. At the time, tea consumption in the colonies was, uh, was massive. Yeah. Uh, and so Dutch traders began to introduce the idea of coffee. And uh, there was a shift away from tea, a small shift away from tea, as people started to realize, you know, we're not going to buy into this government uh, monopoly and this, uh, this taxation scheme. And uh, this coffee houses started to spring up. People like Samuel Adams and John Hancock began working with Dutch traders to bring in coffee. And then uh, the Dutch said, you know, by the way, we can also get food. And so Hancock and Adams and others attempted to bring in tea. The problem was that the British had a vested interest in their subsidized tea, so they got rid of the tax and cut the price. Mm, right. Uh, the, the whole idea was to crush private enterprise right. and force this taxation scheme. So, because of Boston, since 1770, uh, British soldiers were cohorted in private homes, um, the, the, the city actually had 16,000 residents, and there were 2,000 soldiers who were quartered in a city. Hmm. Uh, and uh, there was a lot of things. Uh, there, there were uh, various uh, incidents starting in February of 1770, which led to, on the, the frigid, snowy evening of March 5th, 1770, uh, the Boston Massacre, which started with uh, a, a group of dock workers shining a, uh, a, a British soldier standing guard over the King's Custom House. Hey, hey Dr. Grant, King I'm, 
I'm going to interrupt you right there real quick. I really want to hear this and it's kind of breaking up a little bit. Would you, can you try putting us on speakerphone real quick and talking that way? I just I don't want to sure. miss any of this. Let's just see if we can get a little better connection there. Okay, on speakerphone. There I'm we go. Oh, that's yeah, way better. That's nice. There we go. Is that better? Way yeah. better. All okay, right. keep going. Okay, so I'm sitting in a parking lot <laughs> on the side of the road talking on my cell phone. So anyway, the, the, the Boston Massacre wound up being uh, this a small group of, of dock workers chiding a private in the British Army who was guarding the custom house, and a snowball fight broke out. Right. A snowball fight. Um. He called for help. He slashed one of the men with his bayonet, and somebody cried out fire. Uh, there's a dispute about who actually called fire. And all of a sudden, there were five Americans uh, who had uh, been killed. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things that I heard uh, this, uh, this week on a reputable network news source was that Immediately after that, a mob formed in protest, and the uh, Boston Tea Party was the result. (laughs) The problem is that the Boston Tea Party took place three years later. (laughs) It was a really long mob. (laughs) A lot of of writing. It was an an entirely separate incident and had to do with the attempt of the British government and the uh, the customs house officers trying to break the free market. The other thing that I've heard this week was that, uh, and this this you can actually find in so-called reputable textbooks, was that John Hancock and Samuel Adams were running a smuggling operation to bring in illegal tea. No, 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 no. What they were trying to do was they were trying to provide an alternative market their ships right into the uh, uh, up the Charles River and onto the docks and unloaded entirely legally. It was simply that they weren't a part of the government subsidized industry. Hmm. And so, but what happened was there was an attempt to break the market. Uh-huh. And whether we agree or disagree with the Sons of Liberty, what they decided to do was to break the market the other way. Mm-hmm. Okay, so George, and that was the block. So, so there's there's kind of two things that I'm thinking about. I want to separate people who are actually protesting and then the the riots. I want to try and separate those the best I can because I think there's two things going on right now. Right. Absolutely, and that's so important to recognize. Yeah, I, I don't want to miss that at all. Yeah, sure, uh, but what we see right now. What are these riots mostly akin to when we see as far as revolutionary is people want to equate it to the American war for independence? It wasn't that. What are these? What do you see in history that these riots are closer connected to? Probably what we would have to say is either the French Revolution or the barricades of 1848, mm. the revolu- the Marxist revolutions of 1848. Yeah. That's what we're seeing. It's mob rule. It's mm. uh it, you know, it's the breakdown of the social order. It's lashing out at anyone and everyone. Mm. Uh, you know, one, one of the things that is so absurd is that we have had a horrific abuse of power by the Minneapolis or a handful of people from the Minneapolis police force uh, that has resulted tragically in the death of a young man, uh, George Floyd. Mm-hmm. And, 
to respond to that by saying we've got to reform our police department. We've got to be aware of racism. We've got to be aware of corruption in high places is an absolutely correct response Mm -hmm. to that horrific killing. To break into a shoe store and make off with a pair of Air Jordans for the weekend is not a protest against the death of this young man. Right. So absolutely, we've got two things going on. And one thing is appropriate and right. It's a call for real substantive change in the way we think about our neighbors. The other is pure anarchy. So is, is the, help, help our audience understand what is the difference between, I mean, the American war for independence yeah. starts out with, you know, this Boston massacre a few years later, you've got the Boston tea party, but eventually, you know, it comes to blows. It, it goes to war. Um, what's the difference between that and the French revolution or the 1848 revolutions? What's the difference between those two events? Well, a couple of things. First of all, the American cause was always represented by magistrates. Mm. So you have lower magistrates interposing themselves with upper magistrates saying, you're abusing the rule of law. Mm -hmm. Let's follow the rule of law. If you look at the Declaration of Independence, it's a covenant lawsuit in which the American patriots were saying, you have abandoned the rule of law. We want to uphold the rule of law. So you have lower magistrates interposing themselves with upper magistrates. Uh, Secondly, the, uh, the resort to arms did not take place until the Americans were fired upon by the British militias and uh, their, their, their proxies, the yep. Hessian troops that the British brought in. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, was, it was defensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Americans didn't go and invade Great Britain. Mm. Right. Mm. That's right. good. Now, now how is it connected? How are you saying, why are you saying, or how are you saying this is more connected? Our rights are more likened to the French Revolutionary War. Well, in the French Revolution, you literally had mobs in the streets. You literally had barricades. In the revolutions of 1848, which just sundered all of the nations of Western Europe uh, with Marxist revolutions, uh, you you literally had mobs in the streets, gangs. Years ago, um, during the horrific Balkan Wars, Croatia, Slovenia, I actually went to Bosnia, and one of the things that uh, I was there to to minister to some churches that had been abandoned and that were behind uh, the battle lines, and one of the things that I encountered were uh, armed gangs. Yeah, uh, there were armed gangs that weren't affiliated with anyone. They they didn't really have a political agenda. They were just out there running rampant, looting, raiding raping, pillaging, that's the kind of thing that we are starting to see. That's not the same thing as a protest. Right, right. right. Now, but how, so what if the, the lesser magistrates aren't even helping? What if they aren't even, uh, what if they're part of the problem too? What do the people do? Well, one of the things that the people have to do is they have to 
identify lower magistrates that will interpose. Mm. And what, what if that, they can't find a, anybody? Well, in, in, in those cases, you know, Francis Schaeffer talks about civil disobedience in a Christian manifesto, and he, he basically makes the argument that civil disobedience is a last resort. But the resort is not against store owners and neighbors. Right, you don't go right. burn down a restaurant. Right. Uh, what you do is you do something along the lines of what we saw uh, during the war between the states in places like Jones County, Alabama, uh, where they simply surrounded the courthouse, called out the legislators, and demanded that they do the right thing. This, George, you know, I, right now I can't help but think is when I separate the two and I start looking at this situation, seeing people who are trying to protest and say, hey, there's a problem going on here inside of our community with the police. And it's been evident to me that since the lockdowns, we've been able to see some overreaching of our government, even in the suburbs to where, you know, moms are getting arrested at parks that are taking their kids to and saying, hold on. These two look like the same kind of overreach, right? <laughs> so when I start separating those two and, and I examine them, I'm looking at a community right now that I identify with. That Minneapolis is my home. I know what I know what they're going through. I understand what they're trying to say, but then I see another group that's using their 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 problem, their issues as a proxy to bring in something else that is not right. that, that's going to crush them even more. So and the political class, the political class that we have, we voted for. Mm -hmm. yeah. One of the things that we have to realize is we have in power people that we put in power who are filled with wickedness. In uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, Solomon laments the fact that there is injustice. In chapter 4, the first three verses, he cries out, saying that the oppressed are oppressed by the powerful and they have no one that they can cry to. Mm -hmm. The reason is, at the beginning of, of the passage, in the middle of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, he says, not only is injustice unjust, but our justice is unjust. Mm -hmm. And not only is there wickedness in the land, our righteousness is wickedness. Yeah. In other words, what Solomon is saying is we've got a systemic problem, and the systemic problem is it's not the economy stupid, it's not the police stupid, it's the culture mm. stupid. Yeah, yeah. So do you do you think that the uh, the gangs of sorts, the thugs that are leading the the looting and the rioting, um, is this the beginning or the attempt at a replay of the eighteen forty eight Marxist? Uh, revolution? Yeah, a kind of half-hearted attempt by a small handful. Yeah. You know, the, the, the truth is, is and Antifa is, you know, they are dangerous. They are a, a real a problem, but they're tiny. Yeah. They, they, they don't wield a lot of power. What we're seeing in the streets is anarchy. It's, it's not Antifa, you know, mobilizing systematic uh, sort of revolution. Yeah. They're hoping that they can trigger a right. revolution. Yeah. Right. But, you know, this is, this is closer to uh, 1968, 69 Watts, Detroit, yeah. Newark riots right. yeah. than it is French Revolution or uh, Revolution of 1848. 
Right. We talked to uh, we talked to Daniel Horowitz from the Conservative Review yesterday, and one of the things he was noting is just you know if you hold these riots right up alongside of what Knox was just pointing out, the whole COVID crazy. Right. Um, and in the last you know six months, I, I mean, I don't know, I don't know if they could be more insane. Um, but but you have he was noting how um, so much of our uh, law code and moral code has been completely reversed and upended where you have, you know, it's illegal to go open your business. It's illegal to go to church, but then you have these people who are burning down police stations yeah. and, and largely being, you know, sort of defended as just expressing themselves and, you know, looting uh, Nike tennis shoe stores and Apple stores. Yeah. And it's just, well, they're just expressing themselves. And of course it's sort of slowly being, tamped down but it's this you know you mentioned the, the you know moms being arrested for having their kids on a playground during the covid um, shutdown during the covid thing and yet you've got you know this massive you know um crowds uh, many turning violent and anarchic and you know have we is this a i mean in many ways it, it echoes previous protests but in other ways it certainly feels f- feels like this is a whole new level um are you seeing well, it that? is you know, it is a whole new level at, at once. In one sense, we have been ramping up the anti-Trump revolutionary uh, fascist Hitler comparison rhetoric yeah. for three years. Yeah. Uh-huh. So there's already hypertension. And then on top of that, you lock the country down, you wreck the economy. Uh, so many jobs have been lost yep. on top of that. None of the data has held up with uh, the, you know, the COVID projections. Right. I mean, we're still not globally at H1N1 or swine flu levels right. of morbidity. Right. Um, but we've destroyed the economy right. over it. So what we've done is we've thrown kerosene on the fire. Yeah. So how do we get the fire out? Because I look at Minneapolis right now. My mom, she's calling me crying. I'm watching my friends that are living there trying to figure out what to do. They're picking up shovels and brooms and going out to the streets. How do we if you're a pastor in Minneapolis and you see what's just happened in your city, how do you go back trying to get some civility there? Because obviously the police are stepping back. Maybe they'll engage a little more now. But they should have never stepped back. And now the citizens are left to try and figure out how to pick this up. And the only hope that I see there are churches and the people of God in that situation. So how do we get it back? So the gospel is the answer. You're absolutely right. Uh, The gospel is the answer. The churches have to lead at this point. Uh, This is a time when every single pastor needs to be saying, Lord, have mercy. Church, have courage. Uh Mm. We need to be calling uh, pastors together to pray, number one. Uh, that, that is the, the greatest power that we have, is to bring the churches together and pray together. Yes. Uh, secondly, we need to proclaim clarity that in the midst of the chaos, there is hope, and there is hope in the gospel. Third, we need to be very vocal about this and talk about it at church. We can't, we can't have isolated islands in our nation where we just kind of turn a blind eye. We've we've got to engage. This is, I believe, a providential opportunity for us. Mm -hmm. Uh, Almost every church in America is live streaming right now. So let's use it. Mm -hmm. Use it with the power of the gospel to speak directly to the brokenness 
of our relationships, the brokenness of our communities, and to proclaim that there is a way where every broken thing can be healed because Jesus came to bring his blessings as far as the curse is found. Amen. You know, George, there's two things that when you said that kind of, I'm on board with everything you're saying, but when I hear people usually talk about preaching the gospel, they have this notion that it's okay to preach the gospel, get man regenerate, and then everything just falls in place after that. And they leave out. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. uh, To preach the gospel means to apply the gospel to every single detail of life. So it's not just about. it's, it's not a fire insurance policy that we're talking about here. Right. Uh, what we're talking about is a comprehensive renovation plan for mm. the whole earth. Amen. Mm. Oh, I need to hear that. Yeah. And, and then the other side that, that, that bothers me is that there's another group who sees this opportunity, kind of the social justice reform Christian warriors, some of these guys out there, who are seeing this opportunity to show solidarity with like Black Lives Matter. Or to uh, support the whole movements out there that are social justice without making a distinction like the ones you just made. How do we? Because sp- I feel like I'm fighting on both sides here. Right. <laughs> you know, right. I got I got the world over on this side, and I got Christians on this side who are who are joining hands with this world with this world, and syncretism is happening. And I'm like, both of these things are going to hurt us. How do we That's draw right. that middle line, or how do we hit both, and we can define ourselves better in this? Well, first of all, you're doing it right now. Mm. Well, praise God. This is it. This is the front line. Yeah. This is the front line. You're doing it right now. We've got to draw the lines. We've got to make it clear. We've got to proclaim it. Uh, We've we've got to, you know, one one of the things that um, Vince Flynn, uh, the now deceased great thriller writer, uh, has said, is that when will we learn that you cannot reason with unreasonable people? Mm-hmm. So we, we need to identify those that we can speak to with clarity, and uh, for the unreasonable, we simply undermine them by stealing away all of their support mm. by speaking truth to those who will listen. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're doing right now. That's what this show is all about every single day. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think there's just so much that is so many issues at play in in these riots and what happened with George Floyd, and and I I, I it, it seems like a, just a, a heap of a mess. It's a big pile of mess that's you, hard to sort through. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's like well, it we really it's do have we, you know, like police have immunity at some level, which has caused a lot of the militarization of the police. We really do yeah. have um, – go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I, you know, what, one of my uh, dear friends is um, John um, Whitehead, who is the – he's the head of the Rutherford Institute. He's written a number of very fine books about the radical militarization uh, and the centralization of control in uh, the police state. Mm-hmm. And uh, – John was a disciple of Francis Schaeffer, and he's, uh, he's really, really solid. And, and he has been warning for years that we're heading for a clash. When culture starts to disintegrate, uh, that there is a top-down approach of control, uh, which we see again and again and again throughout history, and it always erupts 
and fails. There is the bottom-up mm-hmm. approach, which is reformation. What we're about is the reformation side. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, you know, the solution to what's happening in the streets of Minneapolis is not going to come simply because of a few reforms in the police department mm-hmm. or changes on the city council. It's going to come when churches engage in their communities, shepherd their flocks, baptize their babies, mm. uh, disciple the masses, proclaim the gospel to every single detail of life. This is what the gospel looks like when it's applied to economics. Amen. This is what the gospel looks like when it comes to uh, city planning. This is what the gospel mm. looks like in race relations. Mm-hmm. And then we will start to see real transformation and change. Mm. I always, every time I talk to Dr. Grant, he just gives it to me. Just and it makes me happy. The people in his church, I don't, I don't know how they like. They just walk up and give you love offerings while you preaching, don't they? <laughs> I know. <laughs> they do. on steps. Hey, he, we, he's pastors and politics also in the club portal. That's right. Well, yeah. we actually talk a little bit about this yeah. too. Yeah. That, yeah, that, that was a great conversation. Uh, it really was. He actually made me cry during that. Oh, one. Yeah. That was so he good. Made us all just cry. He made us all talking cry. about the COVID. Got here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Pastor Grant, if we wanted to follow you on Facebook or Twitter, how do we find you? Uh, Facebook is uh, there. There is a public figure page, just uh, George Grant, and um, then uh, GeorgeGrant.net is the website. And uh, Pierce Press, you can get iTunes sermons and all of that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. We'll see you in October. And if you huh? want to see him live, you can yeah. see him at the Fight Laugh Feast conference in October. We can, all, we can all cry together. Yeah. <laughs> he does no, it, man. No, Toby. <laughs> you know, he just <laughs> with some beer and some songs. Right. <laughs> Lament and praise God. All right. Amen. If you're single, get married. If you're married, have kids. If you have kids, do what Dr. Grant said. Go baptize Amen. them. Until next week. Or on Friday, actually. Sunday? Yeah, what day is Sunday. it? It, it doesn't matter. Until the next time the show airs. <laughs> Love God with all your heart. So mind and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is Cross Politic. We wouldn't have been to church. <laughs>